0: I'm so excited. I get to preach Easter. My mom actually prayed. I can't make this up. My mom prayed for me today, and she prayed that I would be able to control my excitement. This from a woman who wouldn't let me watch Mr. Rogers because he was too sedate. I can't make that up. She wanted an energetic child. I think she got it. I'm not... Oh, oh, yeah. I'm getting amens from my mama coming down the hallway. All right. That's fantastic. Uh, I just thought that was funny. I was they're praying, and she's like, oh, Lord, help him, help him to calm down. I'm like, she has never prayed that before in my life. All right. Anywho, uh, Easter. It's Easter. And, and what that all represents and what that is and what that looks like is that Jesus wins. And I know that kind of sounds interesting to you. Maybe, maybe you don't come to church very often, and you're, your wife, if you're honest with yourself, your wife made you come today. Okay? I, I get that. And um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And like I said, this is like the one, one Sunday of the year that I wear a jacket, and it's chafing me, basically. Okay? Um, so I, I understand that. But what I want for you today is maybe just all the preconceptions and all the baggage and all the history of maybe church that you have. Just to kind of like push that away and say, all right, I'm just going to have an open mind this morning. I want to hear this again maybe for the first time. Something maybe you've heard over and 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 over again. It's something, honestly, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor, and I take it for granted because I hear it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So everyone this morning, if we can just kind of commit before we even get into the scripture, before we get into the story, just kind of commit to say, I'm going to open my mind. I want to hear this again. Experience this again for the first time. Easter. It's about this. Jesus will stop at nothing to have relationship with you. Jesus will stop at nothing to have a relationship with you. He'll stop at nothing to have a relationship with you, now this is mind-boggling to me because if I think about who Jesus is, and I think about all the people who have maybe abandoned me and messed with my relationships and how relationships have fell apart and maybe how I've messed up relationships, relationships tend to end. I had to say goodbye to a lot of relationships when I moved from here to from Georgia to here. All right, I had to say goodbye. Uh, the I'm a pretty big people person. I remember a lot of names, but they've done a lot of studies. This whole, and, and in light of Facebook and in light of uh, Twitter and all these things where you can have superficial relationships with thousands and thousands of people, they did all these studies on, sociologically on people that you can really only have about 60 meaningful relationships in your life. The rest is just fluff. So there's actually one of the creators of Twitter is trying to figure out how he can make a social network where you can only have 60 friends. After that, you, you're forced to defriend them. It's like you are not in the inner circle. I don't know if he's not getting funding for this. Uh, it doesn't sound like a very easy way to make money. Uh, but it is—it is this idea of these aren't real relationships. He—he he just felt guilt that I've—I've I've made fakeness all over the place, and now I want to have uh, help people find real connection and real relationship. And so, what does that look like? And so, in our era of relationship. I mean, it's real easy to be a Jesus follower like on Twitter, I think. It's real easy to go, oh, yeah, I know him. He has good tweets every once in a while. He puts funny videos of cats on Facebook for me. Now, it's just an acquaintance issue. But this isn't what's going on here. This is Jesus is striving to be the one of that 60. He is striving to be intimate with you, to know you, and wants to be known. By you. He will stop at nothing to form that relationship. And that's what the cross is all about. He's proving that, hey, 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 there's nothing that I won't do for you. And we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about that. Before we get into the cross and the torture of Christ too much, I'll go ahead and splurge and tell you the end of the story. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus wins. Yeah. Alright, so so we're gonna talk about all kinds of nasty stuff here about, for the next 15 minutes. But, the, but the, I'll go ahead and tell you the end. It's okay. In this one, you know, Jesus wins. I know the end of the story. And, and that's, we can't have, this, this idea of Jesus will stop at nothing to have a relationship with you does not work if Jesus is dead. Right? You can't have a relationship with a dead thing. It doesn't work. Like to have a relationship with Abraham Lincoln? Ain't happening anytime soon. I can read all the biographies in the world about him. It's not going to happen. I can feel like I know him, but I don't ever actually get to bounce ideas off of him. I don't get to ever talk to him about what it was like when he was there in the White House. So Here's the deal with Jesus. I'm not talking to a dead thing. I'm not talking to somebody who's rotting in a grave somewhere. I'm talking to a victorious king. I'm talking to the resurrected Savior. And Jesus will stop at nothing to have that relationship with you. We're going to spend some time talking about the torture of Christ. And the cross gets all the billing in the torture of Christ. There's a lot more going on here. We've spent six weeks on Easter. We've spent six weeks on this Holy Week. we spent six weeks uh, delving into all the things that happen through this amazing week and what Jesus is up to and what's going on and how the world is shifting, how God had things set up one way, and in this week, he's shifting the paradigm. How he's changing it all in this moment, this time, and so it it takes a long time to describe that. So we've taken six weeks to do that. Don't feel like, oh well, I missed the first five episodes of this. I'm going to be lost. That's not the deal. We'll uh, you can don't feel like that. But we've just taken a lot of time to do this. We've taken weeks on different aspects of the torture of Christ, and today I'm going to kind of summarize all those. Uh, one of the prophecies about Jesus kind of dictates why Jesus had to be tortured because he has to fulfill these prophecies. Jesus fulfills over 300 prophecies uh, that are set out thousands of years before, 1,000 years to 500 years before he's even born and they're repeated over and, over and over and over and over again. People have written them down, written them down, written them down. Everyone knows these prophecies, but, they're, but no one can fulfill 300. It's statistically, mathematically impossible to fulfill that many prophecies, even if you know them all. They're just like, it they, they, they doesn't work. Things can line up. Jesus could be born maybe at the right time, in the right place, but what is, what, he can't do this, and he can't do that, and he can't do this, 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 and this. So uh, three, over 300 prophecies. Think about that. 300 prophecies that he fulfills. It's amazing. But one of them is this, Isaiah 53, 5. "'For he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him.' By his wounds, we are healed. Each one of these wounds, each one of these wounds of the cross have benefit to us. I'm gonna break them down because I think sometimes I, I personally, this is me, I personally take the cross for granted and I don't fully step into what the cross can mean for me and what it can look like for me and what redemption and, and what this victory really means and what it, what it can do for my Attitude, what I can do for uh, all that I am. And so I want to go slowly through that and and see what that looks like this morning. The first wound, the first torture, is this uh, cat of nine tails. And it's this whip that is made, and it's a special kind of whip made specifically for. Torture. It is not a, a multi-use prospect. It is not made for, uh, we don't, you don't make this, you don't create it so that you can also use it with donkeys or with bulls. You know, we always see whips in the movies or whatever. There's that, um, in glory, that amazing uh, scene with uh, Denzel Washington getting hit with the, the whip and that one single tear coming down. You're like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. Right? We have the idea of, and that's what we think. You like my sound effects? I practiced all week long on that. <laughs> we have this image of this huge bullwhip thing. That's not what's going on here. That's a multi-purpose f- thing that, that doesn't really exist. That's not going on. What's happening is there's a, basically a dowel rod, a, a, a stick, and in it, attached to it, are nine leather strands. And in those leather strands are bone and nails and whatever they could find, pieces of you know, ancient barbed wire, whatever is going to inflict harm. It's also soaked in a bucket. So what happens when leather is wet? Right, it becomes like a spaghetti noodle. You know when spaghetti's done because you throw it against the wall? My mom's in here, and Kelly. <laughs> so, you know spaghetti's done. This is a little trick, guys. It's fun. Learned this in college. Take spaghetti noodle out, you throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's done. If it breaks in half, it's still got to go for a couple of minutes. <laughs> The idea is you soak this whip, this, this, this cat of nine tails, nine leather thongs going down and you hit it. And because it's wet and because of these, these hooks, it sticks. And then you would yank down to expose and to rip as much flesh as you possibly can. Jesus was sentenced to 39 lashes with this thing. Why 39? Well, 40 is the death sentence. A Roman whipper, a whipper snapper, if you will. Gene <laughs> left too fast. I'm here all week. I promise. <laughs> the uh, the whipper. See now, I can't do it. The guy with the whip is trained to do this. And and he can actually, there's an ancient Roman law that he can actually be be put to death for not killing someone in 40 lashes. So this is a deterrent because this is so gruesome, so disgusting, so uh, anti-human. Like, you've got to have no conscience to be able to do this because what you're doing is basically flaying, turning someone's back into hamburger and how they would do this. So he's going in the back of his mind, if I don't do this well enough, I myself can be killed. So they did it up to 39 to get those guys off the hook. And also, it was the worst corporal punishment you could have without being sentenced to death. Okay, so they're hoping the mindset behind this is we're going to beat the tar out of this guy. They're going to see him in just a hamburger mess, and they'll let him go. There's some political stuff going on here. If you kill someone, you've made a martyr. If you just cripple them, you've made a has-been. Okay, so the Romans are thinking through this, and they're going, you know what would be good? We just beat the tar of this guy, and he's going to be this, oh, king of the Jews guy. Look what we did to the king of the Jews. And he's a walk wherever he goes, whatever he does. They see this guy who's just deformed because of this torturous whipping that he took. So this is kind of this political mind game that's going on there. They think this is a good idea, and it happens a lot. Paul had to do it three times. Um, going on, just threw that one in there for extra. That's not what we're talking about. Um, whipping on the, the, with the cat of nine tails. When he's hitting him, he does 13 three times. And so what you would do is you'd pick one shoulder, and you'd go 13 over one shoulder. So this whole muscle is going to be dissected right here 13 times. One time would probably have been sufficient. I, I stupidly yesterday installed a water heater. And I thought it would be a good idea because I thought it was going to crush Perry, uh, Perry's leg. Is I, I reached down and picked it up. And, uh, and uh, this morning when I got out of bed, I was like, what did I... Oh, that's what I did. I was like, oh, that wasn't smart. And then I started thinking, and I was going over my message, and I was like, quit your whining. <laughs> right? So 13 times along this muscle, ripped apart. And then you move on to the next one. Maybe change hands because this one got tired. And then, you, then you'd rip apart this one 13 times, hit Stick, rip, repeat. And then the final 13 is just along the middle of the back to rip that all apart. And so it's a complete dissection. The Romans are incredibly thorough about whatever they do, okay? They don't invent hardly anything by themselves. They just make it better. And so uh, they don't invent military techniques. They just perfect them. They don't invent crucifixion. They just perfect it. And they don't, they don't invent uh, torture techniques. They just thought, oh, we can do that better. If you're going to be good at something, I guess you just do it all the way. And that's what they do. They rip apart Christ's body. What's the point? Why do, I, why, do I, why do I even talk about that? In Isaiah 53, the last part of that sentence, if you underline it, you read it, or it's in your Bible. By his wounds, we are healed. The whip represents... The redeeming of our bodies. This whole episode, this whole thing represents the redeeming of our bodies. That Christ will stop at nothing to have relationship with you. And one of those ways that our fallen bodies, God created a good body. He created a good earth and sin starts to pollute it and destroys it. And Jesus goes, I've got to reclaim this creation. I've got to reclaim that. And how he does that. Is by paying the price with his wounds, he reclaims them. He reclaims us. He redeems us. By his wounds, we are healed. Some of you right now have bodies that need to be healed. You have stuff going on in your body, you have sickness, you have issues, you have things that you go, I've got wounds that need to be healed. Some of us, we're scared even to ask for that kind of healing. We're, we're scared, oh God, I'm, I'm too messed up. I've got too much issues. I've got too many problems. I've got things that happened a long time ago that I, God doesn't apparently even care about that. Can I tell you right now? By his wounds, you can be healed. It doesn't always look like the way we want it to. It doesn't always, it's not a placing an order for a healing but it's available. But God redeems our bodies. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The second way, the second torture of Christ is the crown and this crown of thorns would have been shoved on his head. Basically, what's going on is no one wants to take credit. No one actually wants to kill Jesus. He hasn't really done anything wrong, and they can't pin a, a, a punishment on him. And that looks really bad if somebody says, well, yeah, we knew he was innocent, but we killed him anyway. That looks, it gets messy in the news, right? And so they they keep on oh why don't you do this well why don't you do this and sending them all all the different Sanhedrin people all the different chief priests get to get a look at him, uh, King Herod gets a, a look at him and and Pontius Pilate gets a look at him he doesn't want to do it either his wife's going don't kill him don't kill him don't kill him don't kill him I had a dream whatever and she she's yelling at him and he's like oh, I don't want to do this but everybody the crowd is just like, him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify crucify him. and so in this kind of torture as they're trying to make him look so shabby so they don't have to be responsible for killing him. They take this crown of thorns and jam it on his head. Somebody thought this would be a bright idea. We have one around here. I brought it out a couple of weeks ago, but then the, the, I poked myself just trying to hold it to show people. My hands were all bleeding, with these little pinpricks, just by gingerly touching it. I mean, he takes these, these, these thorns and rams it on Jesus's head and you can imagine what that migraine would have felt like. It would have been superficial bleeding, but it also would have been bleeding inside. And so the migraine to all migraines is starting to happen. You not only have your bike, your, ba- your bike, your body flayed, your, your body turned into a hamburger. but your mind is under attack. Anybody have a migraine? You know you can't think. You can't act. you just, oh, don't do anything. Kevin gets a migraine. He comes into work. He's got sunglasses on. He's got a hoodie pulled over him. Like, Don't turn on the lights. Don't turn on the lights. Of course, me being such a quiet individual, respect that so well. <laughs> um, I try to, but it is. I, I just can't imagine that. After all that he's been going through, all that been, he's been subjugated to, now his brain is literally feeling like it's going to explode. The crown represents the redeeming of our minds. And some of us today need to participate in having our minds redeemed. We think so much about just our actions and our past being redeemed, but but folks, we've been holding on to thoughts, and we've been holding on to hurts, and we've been holding on to things that have happened to us that we need a clean slate up here. If we're really honest with ourselves, we just keep on falling back into the same cycle of hurt and the same cycle of wounded and the same cycle of stuff that happened years and years and years ago, and we just can't get rid of it. But Christ, through the crown of thorns, redeems our minds and our thoughts. That blood was shed for a reason. This is part of one of the things that I don't know if we actually step into and we we think about that God can take my thought processes and actually change them. He does that. He has the power. His blood was not poured out in vain so that you can be the same person that you still were 10 years ago. It means something. If we're a Christian and we're the same exact person we were five years ago, you're not doing it right. (laughs) And not that you have to do something, but you're not letting Christ have victory in your life. You're not letting him redeem you. Third torture of Christ, and this is the most gruesome, I think, is that these long nails are driven into Christ's hands. Now, in biblical times, a hand would have been from your elbow to uh, thought about hand. We always see them, like right here. Guys, if you would have got a nail through there, you'd have ripped off the cross. While it wouldn't have been pleasant, like there's no way that the cross crucifixion would have worked. So you put it through the radius and the ulna. Now, you know there's all kinds of nerves there. There's like like that... um, you watch the old uh, martial arts movies, and they like grab your wrist and make them go limp. So there's this, uh, there's this, uh, there's this nerve center right there. You just, you just grab there, and you're like, ow! Imagine having a nail jammed through it. You thought a toothache hurt. A nail driven through there, driven through your in between your ankles, going through into, into a, um, basically a railroad tie is what it looked like. And so you're on the cross, hanging there with this. Now, there's no support here for your your chest, for the majority of your weight. And so how do you breathe? How do you do anything? You're hanging there and all that weight. Remember, your back is frayed on a nasty, rugged, it's not polished like that thing. It's nasty. You're not going to take the time to, oh, let's sand this so they can be comfortable. And you're just grating on that. And as you gasp for air, is what you The cross is not a, a death by um, blood loss or a death by anything else. It's death by crucifixion. Or sorry. It's a death by suffocation. And that's that's what it is. And so you just finally give up. You cannot bring yourself up because you're, you're so tired of pushing against a nail in your feet and pulling against the nails in your hands to get air. A lot of the guys, um, it's recorded that their shoulders would just, just dislocate and they they would die because they couldn't get out, get up. In fact, uh, if someone was taking too long to die, they would, they would come behind you and your legs are like this and they'd put a board in between your legs and, and snap it and break your tibia and uh, fibula and then you would not be able to push up and you would, you would die. That was the humane way of doing that. And when they come to do that to Jesus, they, they jam a spear. They think, oh, he might be dead because he's gone through all kinds of crazy tortures already and they jam a spear up in his ribcage. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But these nails in his Hands. This moment of taking it on the cross and this act of where he dies. As I was thinking this week, I was like, why would he why would he do that? He's already done these things. But I think it's very symbolic of I'm paying, I'm redeeming your actions of your hands and redeeming the actions of your feet. Wherever you go, I can redeem that. Whatever you've done, I can redeem that too. Because if I think of the things that have brought me the most shame and brought me the most uh, hurt, it's probably things that I've done with these. The nails on the cross. I love that we can hear our kids. That is amazing. Um, like, what is going on? These nails redeem the actions. The nails are for redeeming what we've done. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He is buying back our actions. He's buying back where we've been. He's buying back what we have done. The spear that I was talking about has been shoved up underneath the the ribcage. Because remember, they're going to be elevated. This guy is sitting there with a, the Roman spear. Every one of them would have had it. It's a long metal soft iron tip with a little barb at the end. And he just, It's the humane way of let's, let's make sure he's dead before we bring him down uh, and speed this along. And so he picked a spot sp- and just jabbed it up there. When he did that, it would go up, puncture a long puncture your heart, and pull it out, and the death would be be quick. Well, when Jesus does this, this is really interesting because he does it to Jesus, And blood and water comes out. And if you've noticed that in the scripture before, you're like, what in the world's going on? Well, doctors have said, when um, your heart explodes, the separation of of blood and water kind of happens. When your heart just seizes and goes, there's a separation going on there. And as I thought about that this week, I thought, the whipping didn't kill him. The crown of thorns didn't kill him. The crucifixion didn't kill him. He died of a broken heart. And Jesus, son of God, who will stop at nothing to have a relationship with you, dies of a broken heart. And that's been haunting me all week to think about God dying of a broken heart for us. And the in the redeeming story of us, he dies for a broken heart. This happens because he wants to redeem our hearts. And how many of you know that I can deal with a headache and I can deal with sore muscles and I can and I can uh, deal with you know some stupid stuff I've done in my past, but man when my heart hurts. When you have that heart ache, it controls all of you. It controls what you are. And Jesus goes through this so that your very heart will be redeemed. The spear represents the redeeming of our hearts. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now we can make a mistake right now in this service. We can make a mistake and think that It ends on Friday. We can make a mistake and think this is just bad. But here's the deal. Christ is Christ. Christ is glorious. Easter is Easter because he wins through all of this. He goes through all this pain. He goes through all this torture. He goes through all this redemptive acts. But then he has the victory over death itself, which translates into Whatever you can throw at him, whatever you can place on him, whatever actions of your hands, whatever words out under your lips, whatever thoughts of your mind and whatever your heart feels, he can redeem it, take it and rise above it. He has the victory. Too often we find ourselves living like Friday is the last day of this story. We just keep on asking for redemption. We ask forgiveness. We ask for, oh, take this away, 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 take take that away. I did it again. Sunday is about living out in victory. Thank you, God, for doing that. I'm doing it no more. I am turning. I am changing. This is me living out in your victory, participating in the victory that Jesus happens. If we return to our sin, if we return to the old way, Paul talks about like it's returning back to the cross. We're asking Christ to crucify himself again. They also talk about it as a dog returns to its own vomit. That's Friday kind of living. I want to live in Sunday. I want to live with a victory. I want to live a life of purpose. I'm going to say, okay, there's my old self. Now I'm turning and going a new way. I'm stepping up into the victory that God has over death itself. A spear couldn't take that away. A cross couldn't take that away. A crown of thorns can't take that away. And neither can a whip. God has the victory. He took the beating so our bodies could be free. He took the crown so our minds could be free. He took the nails so our actions could be released in freedom. He took the spear so our hearts can be free. This is what forgiveness is. This is what God's forgiveness is. To say, yes, you did that, but now it's gone. Hebrews talks about he remembers their sins no more. Think about that. This is an unforgettable God. This is an omnipotent God. This is a God who knows everything that will happen, has happened, and is happening right now. But when it comes to your sin, he goes, whoop, I don't know. Because he chooses to say, nope, I'm going to remember that no more. Isn't that Beautiful. Because he lives, you can live again. Too often we're caught in that cycle. We're caught in that mess. We're caught in that junk and we can't get out of it. It's because we're living like Christ is still dead. Not that he's rose from the dead. Not that he beat death. Today might be a day where you need to step into what it's like to live again. And live a victory. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And as you think about yourself, you go, he's right. I've been living a Friday kind of life. What is your response to this? What do you do with all this information? My response is this I ought to love Christ. I ought to love Christ. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He has paid the ultimate price for all of us. Not just Jimmy, not just Pam, not just Jared, but all of us. For all humanity, all that will ever live, and all that has lived, he has paid that price. There is no greater love than him redeeming us through his blood and through his body. Second thing I ought to do is I ought to hate sin. Because sin and fallenness is what put him on that cross, is why he had to endure all this junk. I ought to hate it. I ought to run from it. I ought to turn my mouth to ash. Now, I want to be clear before you come to Christ, there is no obligation to get rid of all the sin. You can try to be a good person, that's fine. Because so too often we fall into this trap of, i got to get this done, i got to get this taken away, I've got I to get all that cleaned up before Christ accepts it. No, 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 no. You can't clean it well enough. You can't cover it up well enough. You can't get rid of it by yourself. It's hard enough with Christ's help. I should hate sin. I was talking to a, I kid you not, I was talking to the H&H Greg delivery man this week. I can't make this up. Talking to him, and he goes, you know, I used to be an alcoholic. I was like, okay. And I'm like, just wanted a refrigerator. <laughs> 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 it's real talk, right? I used to be an alcoholic. I was like, okay, all right. I'm like, where's, where's this happening? And uh, where, where are we going now? Uh, and he goes, he goes, I, I had this conversation with God, and I said, God, and, he, and he's very clearly saying, you're not going to drink anymore. Boom. He comes to Christ, and he calls his buddy. He's like, listen, I'm not going to drink anymore. God's told me this. So I would like to tell you all about it. Let's go out for a beer. Okay. goes to the bar. I, this happened Monday morning. I promise you. Uh, Monday morning, he goes to the bar, and he says... Uh, and he gets his beer, and his friend's sitting there, and he takes a big drink. This is my last beer, I think. Takes a big drink, he goes, I kid you not, it tasted like ash in my mouth. I just slid it. I was like, fine, God. <laughs> and I thought about that, and I think about uh, what our attitudes towards sin can be and should be is that when we are in behavior, and we come, to the, come in contact with this crazy love, that when we deal with the sin, the stuff that, that takes us away from God and takes us away from our families and takes us away from the people that we should be, we should pray boldly that God would make those things and those habits taste like ash to us. Because he's lucky. God showed favor on him to do that. Too often, those things still are fun and those those things still taste good. Right? May that be our prayer today. God, that you would just make sin taste nasty to me. Romans 6, 6, For that we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Third thing we should do, and this, might, this is a pretty hard one too, I ought to forgive myself. Hebrews 8, 12, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. If I think about it, he who pays this ultimate price with all these things we've detailed today, all these things we've talked about today. He who pays that price forgives us and remembers our sins no more. Yet we have the gall, the chutzpah, if you will, to remember them, to dwell in them, to wallow in them like mud. I'm worthless because I did this. What you're doing is cheapening everything that God redeemed in you. Maybe today is a day that that you get to step out into that victory, step into who he has for you. And maybe just cut yourself some slack and say, if God Almighty, creator of the universe, can forgive me, maybe I can forgive myself too. That also applies for forgiving others. Now we're getting really hard. But of a God who, who knits us together in the womb, a God who puts our molecules together, a God who, who does amazing things with creation. You can look and look and look and go through all kinds of science experiments, but at the end of the day, you're like, wow. i I've tried that. Kevin and I had an hour-long conversation this week about science and the Big Bang and all these fun things, and I was like, but at the end of the day, you've got to have something that goes, boom! I, I don't know what that is. I think it's God. Uh, that's, I'm staking my name on that one, but It's amazing! You just look at a leaf today, as you see spring come forth. It's amazing. It's beautiful that Easter coincides with spring, as the, especially in Chicago, as everything looks dead. People look dead. I got neighbors I didn't even know I had. Thought the house was vacant. They didn't shovel their snow. That's for sure. Well, but life happens. You could you see a, a neighborhood. Ex- with life you see people with smiles you didn't know their face could do that (laughs) because it's spring the same thing is happening in our lives when christ redeems us and sacrifices and comes and claims that victory over us it is a spring in our lives it is a renewing of our lives it is bringing back the the fruitfulness as you see the rose bushes out here those little twigs that are look nasty that that we burned i think physically burned to get them down to where they need to be Will explode in beauty. All that stuff has to be removed, the, stuff, the junk has to be taken away. Because you know why? We call those suckers, right? They just suck the joy, they suck the, the junk out of our lives. And some of us today, some of us in this moment, in this room right now, are thinking, yeah, but I don't want to give through. But it's sucking the life out of you. Today is a day in which we can forgive ourselves and forgive others. Our lack of forgiveness takes the nutrients away from us. It doesn't let your heart heal. It doesn't let your mind heal. It doesn't let you move on. It slowly just takes your joy away. May today be a day in which we step into that. Easter is about the victory over death. Some of you are so caught up in your past It's like you're the walking dead. Easter is about life. Today is a day in which we can participate in that redemption. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you just got dragged here today. But we all have dead things in our lives. We all have episodes where we just feel... And Easter, and Jesus, is about life. This is about a victory. This is about a life that can be lived better. Right now, I want to live a better life. I want to participate in that victory. I want to quit acting like Friday is happening over and over and over again. I want to step into the tomb is empty. My Lord is victorious. Jesus isn't here because he's not dead anymore. The same thing is for you in your life. If you're tired of dead stuff going on, maybe it's in your actions, maybe it's in your your body and what you let your body dictate to you that you just, you're like, I can't control myself in this aspect and in that aspect. Maybe you need that redeemed this morning. Maybe you need your mind and your thought processes redeemed this morning. Maybe you need the actions of your hands redeemed this morning. Maybe you need your heart redeemed this morning. I don't know where you're at in that. But I think every one of us can agree that we... We need Christ's redemption this morning. And even more than that, we want to step into what it's like to have a life of victory. The band's going to come up, and I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up and and, and pray this, and we're going to take communion in a second. But I don't know if there's someone here this morning. Come on up, band. I I said it twice, three times. (laughs) Kids these days, I tell you. I'm going to pray. And I don't know if there's someone here that as they think about this redemption, as they think about their lives right now, they think about their stuff. But they're like, I want to have life, and I want to have life to its fullest. That's what Jesus promises. Participating in him is like having life to its fullest. I'm tired of having a half- Way kind of life, and maybe you can join me in that. So every head bowed, every eyes closed. God, we we pray, and we don't even know how to pray. And sometimes, God, I feel like I feel like the man in the Bible who says, "Lord, help my help my my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief." And maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's as It's kind of almost silly as that. It's, God, I'm trying to believe, but there's just so much questions in my, my heart. But I know this, God, I don't want to live dead anymore. And I walked in these doors, and I know something was dead. I put on a smile, and I put on a pastel shirt. But I'm dead. If that's you right now, and you want to live, just raise your hand wherever you're at. You can follow along in this prayer with me. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your victory over death so I don't have to live a dead life anymore. I thank you for being victorious. Lord, I need a new life. I want to experience this resurrection today. Lord, redeem my body, redeem my mind, redeem my actions, and my heart, Lord. Today, I give you my life. Amen.